Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit's Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Wednesday the 19th of February 2014. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Well, you're glad to be here tonight. Say amen. amen. I appreciate all of you being here on a Wednesday night, as we call in America, Hump Day. And so... Uh, Thank God that a lot of people say, why do you call it Hump Day? Well, it's, it's the day in which you get over the hump. It's Wednesday, middle of the week, and we're just getting over the hump, going downhill now. Amen? And so uh, thank God for you being here. And uh, I echo everything that, that Pastor Larry said about me. Uh, I don't deserve that kind of... I'm, I'm saying, just follow me, okay? I'm saying that I echo everything he said, not about me, but in resemblance. I thank God for him, and I'll move on. I thank God for Nathan, and I appreciate you using the gift God gave you, brother. Uh, your blessing to me, and uh, one of my favorite songs, "Were It Not for Grace." You know, I can't think of a I can't think of a greater word to describe God's love, God's love than "amazing grace." It's just amazing. And so, uh, take your Bible and turn wherever you want to. I'm gonna hit all of it tonight. And so, uh, no Hebrews chapter number ten. Hebrews chapter number ten. Look at verse number nineteen. Hebrews chapter number ten and verse number nineteen. I thank God. Uh, that we can be a part of a team. There's something about being a part of a team. I play an individual sport, Panos. I play golf, for, for lack of a better word, most of my life I've played. I went to school, secular university, and played, uh, you, played golf in, 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 at uni. I, I've played it all my life. But you know, this thing about golf is you can't blame the quarterback, you can't blame the coach, you can't blame the people on the bench. When you make a mistake and you dump it in the water or you hit it in a sand trap, all you can do is point the finger at yourself. It's nobody else's fault but yours. But you know, the thing about a team is there's benefits to it. You know, we, we, with a team, you've got power, all right? Now, now there can be, listen, that's what I said Sunday is the, the, the Lord doesn't need lone rangers. We don't need mavericks in the ministry, amen? We're part of a team, all right? Just because the eye says it's not a hand, does that mean it's not the body? Paul said, God forbid. Just because you might think you're not sufficient or significant to the work of Christ, you are very, very important. You are significant to the work in your local church or in your community. Everybody's important. There are no superiors nor inferiors in the work of God, only equals. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen? And so what we got to do is we got to realize with, with a team there are benefits that come with being part of a team. Number one, you can blame it on somebody else. No, I'm just playing. Number one, you've got power. You know, you could take a pen, for instance, and I'm not going to do this because this is one of my favorite, but I could take this pen and I could break it in a split second. But Steve, you put 40 of them together, it's going to be really difficult to do. There is something about locking arms and doing the work for God. Amen? I'm thankful that we've got some soldiers of the cross here tonight. We need some people that will say, you know what, there's power in being part of this team called God's family. So not only is there power, but there's participation. You know, can I say this? The work of Jesus Christ is not a spectator sport. we got a lot of people that's sitting around in church going, well, you know, I've been praying about what God wants me to do. Man, there's plenty for you to do. Most people are going to sit around the rest of their life and pray about something God already commanded us to do. Have you talked to your neighbor about Jesus? Have you talked to your workmate about Jesus? Some of y'all looking like I'm talking Russian tonight. You're looking at me like a deer in headlights. You know, just froze up. It's, listen, 
we have to understand that we need to get off the bench and get in the game. I know a man right now who sat in a church for almost 40 years. He's got a, listen, a padded bank account where he has put money, tons of money in savings. He's got CDs and IRAs and all these other things. It's just escalating when it comes to interest. It is growing and growing and growing. And he's worked the carpet all the way to the concrete, sitting in a pew, wondering what God's going to do with him. I know a lot he could do with him if he would allow him to. See, the problem is we don't participate. We let somebody else do it. Well, you know what? Preacher do it. Pastor will do it. Pastor will fix the shower. Pastor will vacuum the carpet. I can't be there this week. Somebody else will take the reins. Somebody else will do it. You know what? If everybody had that mentality, nothing would get done. Can I get a partial amen right there? Thank you. It's time for us to realize there are benefits to being on a team. Well, let me explain something to you tonight. You have a wonderful privilege if you're a child of God, if you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, you have a tremendous privilege to be a part of the greatest work that could ever go on on the face of this earth. And that's being part of the body of Christ. I'm not, listen, I'm not a grandson. I'm a son of God. God doesn't. God, God wants us, Tenica, to be involved in this thing and be a participant. There's power in it. And the last time I checked, the power wasn't in the buses. It wasn't in the buildings. It wasn't in the bank accounts. It wasn't in the trinkets. It wasn't in gadgets that we do. The power's in the blood. There's a wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, we got a team. We got a football team in our, in our city, a uh, high school football team, college football team. And I'm talking about real football. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. We, we, we've got a, a, a high school football team. And you know what I noticed, that, that Brother Carl, when I went to one of their games, they had the Buccaneers. That's the name of their team, the Buccaneers. They had the Buccaneers written on the front of the jersey, but there was no names written on the back of the jerseys. And Nathan, I went to one of them and I said, why do you do that? Why is there no names? Nobody knows who you, who you are. And he said, our coach taught us that the name on the front of the jersey is much more important than the name on the back. Let me tell you something tonight. If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it is far more important that your name is on that roll than it is on some kind of church roll. It's more important that you know that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You say, preacher, how can I know that? Man, I've been thinking, how can I know I'm going to go to heaven? Well, you know, I know I'm going. You know why I know I'm going? Because, bless God, I was there when it happened. I know that I've been saved by the grace of God. And I can give you Bible reason why I know I'm going. The only way you're ever going to know, and I'm going to tell you right now, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it till the cows come home. You can base everything you know on feeling. You can base everything you know on your knowledge. You can base everything you know on what you do for Jesus Christ. But that won't get you to heaven. You're going to go to heaven because of who you are. I'm a child of the king. And the benefit of that is what I'm going to give you tonight. Very quickly. i got about seven minutes, okay? <laughs> We've already been here an hour. So I'm just saying i got about seven minutes to get this message out. So you're going to have to listen fast because I'm going to preach real fast, okay? I want you to look at this. Hebrews chapter number 10. Look at verse number 19. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a lot of people say, well, they don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Well, I'm preaching you ain't, and I think it's Paul. Amen? So there you go. 
The book of Hebrews, I'll just say it that way, the Holy Spirit of God inspired whoever wrote this book to write these words. Now listen to me. This is a, this is a book written, Steve, to a lot of people who were still trying to mingle Judaism with their Christianity. Listen, the temple had not been destroyed. This book was written before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. So they were still having temple worship. They were still doing sacrifices. And do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that whoever wrote the book is trying to get them to understand there is a new and living way. See, the old way was do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, obey this, obey that. You know what the new and living way is? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. That's the new and living way. Look at what he says. Having therefore brethren, verse number 19, having therefore brethren boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Look at what he says. Three times, I want you to look at this. Three times in verse number 21, 22, and 24, 23, he starts the verses with let us. Now I'm going to give you three lettuces tonight, okay? Three of them. The first one, I want you to look at this. He says, look at verse number 21, 22, excuse me. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. And the verse number 23, look at it. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And then the next one is this. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And then the text that I want to read to you tonight is in verse number 25. Look at it. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Now let me just stop right there. I know y'all have heard me say this already this week. Going to church don't make you a Christian. It doesn't. No more than being in a garage makes you a car. Okay? That's not what it is. But I will say this. The obedience of a heart that is pure toward Him will say, you know what, I'm not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There are a lot of people on the face of this earth that would love the privilege of doing what we're doing tonight. Amen, Nathan? There's a lot of people that would wish they could have a building where they would have heat and not have a, a, a hole dug in the ground in mainland China where they got the thing lined with trash bags and one little light hanging out and they've only got one Bible among a hundred people to rip pages out of and take it home and, it, listen, memorize that scripture, bring it back and interchange those pages. Would to God we we had some people that were thankful that we can assemble together. Say, preacher, you're awful excited about it tonight. Yeah, I am. Because he says this, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, I can go to the service. We got service next week. Man, there's, man, they're having the downhill slalom tonight rerun on from the Olympics. It's on tonight, man. I can't miss that. I need to, I need to watch that. I can go to church tomorrow. You know what? It's always amazing to me, Malcolm, when I laid out a class in college that the class I laid out of, Nathan, was the very one I needed the most. It never failed. I'd go, you know, I'd make a 72 on the exam and wonder, where did they get all the answers to those questions? Well, it was the day I missed class, the day I cut class. Well, I sure would hate that the Lord come back and I knew that we was having an assembly and there was a time in which we had had an appointed place and an appointed time and we had set aside a week where we'd have meetings, quote unquote. And by the way, this ain't going to be a movement of God. This may just be a meeting. But when God shows up, it will become a movement of God. I don't, listen, 
I don't want to be in any more meetings, Carl. I want to see God move in my heart. I'm ready to see God do some things that ain't in the bulletin. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm ready to see God do some things that ain't, that's outside the box. Well, you know, this, this God we serve, is, he's, he's dispensational and he's systematic, and I know all of that. But I'm telling you this, the God that made the rules is above the rules, and he can do whatever he wants to do. Well, can he make a rock too big he can't pick up? Get, come on now. Why, why would he have to do that to prove his character? He's already proved it. Hearing his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us first. Amen? He came looking for me. Jesse, when I wasn't looking for him, he came looking for me. I love these people who said, I found the Lord. You didn't find the Lord. You were lost. God wasn't. God found you. That's good preaching, preacher. I like that. Amen. <laughs> Here's the thing, folks, I want you to get tonight. Number one, I want you to look at verse number 19 again. And by the way, let me finish verse number 25 before we go any further. I get ahead of myself. You just forgive me. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. What's the word exhort mean? It's the Greek word parakaleo. It literally means to encourage one another. That's where we get the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one that comes alongside and encourages. It says exhorting one another, encourage one another. You know, the first thing I wanted to do, Carl, when I saw you is I just wanted to hug you. I didn't know what to say, but I know your loss. I know how it hurts. You know, I got a dear sister back here that told me, and I hope it doesn't embarrass you, but she's got a sister, and, and you know, I asked where she was at on Sunday, and she said she's not been feeling well and may have a, a brain tumor. My heart's been burdened and broken, sister, since you told me that. That's what exhorting means. It means to lift up one another, encourage one another. Would to God we had a church full of people that would lift up one another and sit on the phone going, did you hear what sister so-and-so said? I can't believe it. Yeah. Well, why is it? Why can't we be a church full of Barnabases? Listen, and i got to move on. He says, and exhorting one another, Malcolm, and so much the more. He says, I just don't want you to encourage. I want you to go out of your way to encourage one another. I've had people in churches, and I said this in Wednesday night last week. It's amazing to me that most people come to church on Sunday. I don't know about here in the UK, but I know in America, it's what most people do. They come to church on Sunday to get offended. They come to church to sit in a pew and wonder who's going to not talk to them or who ain't going to shake their hand, and then they're going to have an attitude and quench the Spirit of God in a church. Hey, don't come to get offended. Come to get a blessing. You guys that are studying for the ministry, I'm going to tell you right now, and I want you all to look at me. The ministry, if you're not careful, will be hazardous to your health. You better make sure that you've got tough skin. The Bible, listen, the Bible never says this, but it's a biblical principle. If you're going to be in a ministry, you better have the heart of a child, the disposition of a lamb, and the hide of a rhinoceros. You're welcome. <laughs> Amen. You're welcome. People are going to hate your guts just because of what you say. Just because of what you believe? Mm. He says, in exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
I can promise y'all right now, it ain't happened yet, but it's going to happen. And one of these days, we're leaving here. And I can promise you that. Why? Because Jesus said it. And you can take what Jesus said to the bank. It's going to happen. There were people that were questioning Paul. And listen, back when he was preaching in 65 AD, when he wrote these letters, and they were saying, listen, you've told us all this, Paul. Listen, even John went and through all the dissertation through the, the book of Revelation, and the churches still were like Ephesus. He said, I've got someone against you because you left. You hadn't lost it. You just left your first love. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus hadn't left you, but sometimes we sure do leave him, don't we? We got a friend that sticks closer than a brother, sister. I'm thankful for his faithfulness. But if he can be faithful, the Bible says, Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. God wouldn't give you any command where he wouldn't give you power to fulfill it. So I want you to look at something. Look back at verse number 19. He says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest. Now I know most of you in here know enough about the temple to realize that in that day there was an outer sanctuary, outer court, if you will, then the building proper, where you went into it and there was a place called the holy place. This was a room in which it was the walls were lined with gold. They had a tape, ten tables of showbread, ten golden candlesticks. This is where the bra brazen laver was. And, the, and, and right before you go into the altar, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, behind that veil, listen, this was the room where the high priest would go and he would demonstrate and he would do his worship uh, ceremony. And then he would go behind the, what they call the Holy of Holies. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, what I love is the fact that today, tonight, Brian Beaver is nowhere near, listen to me, I have zero, zero Jewish in me. Jew, nothing in me about me as a Jew. I have no ethnicity when it comes to being a Jew. You know what? I, I don't know how many people in here do. I know there might be a couple that have some Jew in them. Okay? But let me explain something. Even if you were a Jew you wouldn't have a right to go into the holy place. Let me say this. Even if you were of the Levites, you still would not have right of sanctuary to go behind the veil. You wouldn't have access to the holy of holies. You wouldn't have access to the throne. You wouldn't have access to the mercy seat. You wouldn't be able to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat for the atonement of your sin. But you know what? There was one high priest every year, Yom Kippur, that went by behind the veil that was, by the way, seven and a half to ten inches thick, 30 feet in height. He went behind the veil to make an atonement for the people for that year. Can't you imagine what that would be like? You've got to go before the whole people on behalf of God. You better make sure you're right. And guess what? When you did that, can you imagine? There are people probably after he sprinkled the, mercy, the blood on the mercy seat, probably three seconds after he did that, that needed it done again, Steve. Because they had sinned just that quick. Because you know what? That's what we are, ain't it? Amen? We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Whereas by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so then death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And I looked up that word all, and guess what? I'm a hillbilly, but I know what all means. It means all. Amen? It means everybody. And I'm telling you right now, here's the problem. We don't realize, I want to give you a couple things. Number one, our position. See, you're not a Levitical line. You're not a Jew. You're not a high priest. But do you understand that because of the sacrifice of our Savior, 
The veil was rent in two from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. If it happened from bottom to top, man could have done that. No, it was rent in two from the top to the bottom. That means only God could have done that. And when it did, Romani, access was made to the throne of grace for every child of God that's ever put their faith in Christ. So today, let me explain your position. The reason why we have a lot of people who do not claim the right of their inheritance, do you understand that a will is not, in, is not valid until the death of the will writer? And the one who wrote the will, the testament, died on Calvary and made access for us to go before the throne of grace. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, we can come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, Romani, and find help in the time of need. Amen. Were it not for grace, where I could tell you where I'd be, I'd still be in that mucky and miry clay that I was in almost 23 years ago, Tim. It's only God's grace. My position, number one, is I'm a child of the King. I've got access to the Holy of Holies. I don't have to go through Pastor Larry. As much as I call him when I need counsel, when I need prayer, we talk. Brother Steve, you don't have to come to me. You know what? You're a believer priest and you go straight to the throne of grace and obtain mercy just like me as a believer priest. Amen? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. So our position, number one, is that we have access. Listen, you won't talk about a benefit. You talk about a benefit, man. That is a great benefit to know that I have a friend. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. So number one, our position. I must move on. Look at number two. Look at this. Look at verse number, look at verse number 22. So not only our position, but Brother Carl, I'm going to look at our program. You know, every team's got a, a plan. Every team ought to have a plan. If they don't, they're going to lose. I can't believe the way things have, have if I can use this word right, evolved, if, if they've, the way things have transpired to where now that even if you participate on a team, you may be the absolute worst athlete in the world. But now you get a participation award just because you took part in it. I'm going to be honest with you, folks. There's something not right about that. Now, when it comes to athletics, you know what? The Bible says this. Everybody runs, but only one may obtain. So run in such a way that you may obtain, you may win. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that we're going to come back on white horses following Jesus and he's going to look back at us and say, all right, all right, army, we're just going to do the best we can. No, we're going to win. Amen? Well, then why are we fighting a battle? Why are we fighting a battle if the battle's already won, guys? Why are we fighting it like it's 47 to 45 with three seconds left and we got to kick a 60-yard field goal to win? It's been won. It's been won, but yet we're fighting a battle like that. See, you've got to have a program. Every team's got to have a, a plan if they're going to, if they're going to execute, the, execute it in the game. They've got to have a plan. You just don't get out there and say, okay, I want you to run that way, and uh, I want you to run that way, and uh, you, you go out there and do something, and, and, and we'll just figure it out when, it, when, when the whistle blows. That ain't going to cut it. 
There's got to be some preparation. got to be a plan. got to be a program. So what's the program? Well, I'm going to give them to you. Number one, he said, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. You say, Preacher, what does that mean? I, first of all, there's three lettuces, okay? Let us, let us, let us. Okay, the first one is this. Let us worship. Do you realize what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter number 4, excuse me, John chapter number 4 to the woman at the well? He said, he said, listen, my heavenly Father, he said, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's a lot of worship going on, but it ain't truth. Now, I know I'm a little, I'm a little di different. I know I'm a little charismatic, if you will. And by the way, charismatic ain't no denomination. Charismatic's an attitude. I believe, I believe us, us Bible-believing, God-fearing people need to get a little bit more charismatic about things, you know? Go to church and it's like a funeral dirge, you know? It's like we ought to have a funeral in the church anymore, you know? Sad thing is if somebody in here really did have a heart attack, we'd probably have to wade through about 37 people to find the one that actually had the heart attack. The Bible says let us worship. Psalm 95, David said, Oh, worship and bow down before the Lord, for we are his sheep and the, the people and the sheep of his pasture. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, we ought to worship. And by the way, I believe, Nathan, this is the thing the devil's used to try to divide the church today, and I never thought I'd see it, but it's called worship. <gasps> you can't sing like that and love God. You know, it's amazing to me what we've done and how we have, how, what we've become when it comes to the body of Christ. So splintered over things that what Spurgeon called were ceremonial trifles. Trivial things. Why don't we major on the major and minor on the minors? Now, I'm not preaching heresy. I'm just trying to preach the Bible, okay? I'm just telling you this, that I believe that one of the central things that's trying to divide the body of Christ these days is a thing called worship. Think about it. Here comes King David into the, into the city following the Ark of the Covenant. And his, listen, he is dancing and leaping before the Lord and the Bible says he was in a linen ephod. I don't know if y'all realize this or not, but a linen ephod is almost like a... I mean, it's, it's not a whole lot of clothing, okay? It's like a sanctified pair of gym shorts is about what it is. Y'all can laugh right there. It's pretty funny. But anyway, I, I'm just saying, it, it literally he ain't had a lot of clothes on. And he comes into the city dancing before the Lord and his wife, Michael, said... How glorious was the king today in the people's sight. You know what she was basically saying? You look like an idiot, David. That's what she's saying. You look like an idiot doing that today. And I love what David does. Say, so you know what? You don't have to worry about what somebody thinks about the way you sing or if you raise your hands up or you... You know, I had a, a guy just preached a funeral, and he literally said this to me while we, before we went in the pulpit, Pastor. He said, now, preacher, I don't like for you to move around while we're doing the service. I'm going to be honest with you. I held to that about six and a half minutes, and I about died, and I said, I got to go. <laughs> All right, and I just started walking, and you know what? The Holy Spirit of God moved in. People, listen, gave their life to Christ, Nathan. And you know what? Sometimes we so quench the Spirit of God in our worship. You know what? We don't think... And, and here's the thing. Worship is something that is commanded. It ain't a suggestion. You're to be, listen, you're commanded to worship God. Amen. Well, I just don't think that, you know, all that raising of the hands and shouting amen and glory and waving your hanky. I'm going to tell you right now, 
My grandmother was one of the godliest people I ever met, ever. Probably the reason I'm in the body of Christ and I've been saved is because of my grandmother's prayers. But I'm going to tell you right now, Romani, my grandmother, her, listen, her personality was not one that she would raise a hand or wave a hanky. That wasn't her personality. Matter of fact, she probably sat on her hands before she'd do that. But she loved God. But you know what? I've got to take up for people who have been delivered from prescription drug addiction or from crack cocaine, or from heroin, or been, a, listen, been released and been delivered from alcoholism, and they want to stand up and shout and raise their hand, I'm not going to stop them. Let them go, man. That's what they had to do to Lazarus. Loose him and let him go. That's the problem with us. Andrew, we got a lot of people that's wrapped in grave clothes. They've been called out of the grave, but they still got grave clothes on. That's why Jesus said, loose him and let him go. He had, to let, he had to get out him. He had to get out him grave clothes. They bound him up, ladies and gentlemen. David looked at his wife, and I'm going to give you a paraphrase, okay? Not a perversion, but a paraphrase, okay? Here's what David said. He said, "Michael, his wife." He said, "Michael, I just want to let you know that God chose me before your daddy, before your family, and before anybody else." And he said, "I will play before the Lord." You know what he was saying? I want everybody to listen to me from here to the wall back there. If you want to raise your hands, if you want to sit on your hands, that's your prerogative. But the Bible says, praise ye the Lord, all ye lands. It is commanded and not a suggestion that you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. So here's our program. Pretty simple. Pretty simple, team. Number one, worship. Number two, look at the next verse. Let us look at, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. What's that mean? Well, here's what he's saying. Hold fast the profession of your faith. Listen, the way you lead others to Christ is to tell them what God did for you, then you can tell them what, listen, what, what he did for you, and then you can tell him what he did for them. That's the way you lead people to Christ. I don't expect anybody in here to win busloads of people by going up to somebody and saying, are you going to heaven or hell? You're going to win a lot. You ain't going to win many friends that way. But you know what? You've got to win people. You've got to say, can I tell you, somebody comes up and says, man, you know what? You just went through a terrible tri trial in your life. Man, you just lost a family member. How can you laugh? How can you sing? How can you smile? And you say, you know what? Let me tell you how I can do that. Hey, listen, I don't get saved because of music, but I sing because I'm happy. That's what the scripture, that's what the songwriter said. I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow. I know he's watching me. So see, folks, here's the thing. How do you witness to people? Well, you tell them what he did for you, and that's going to give you an opportunity to tell him what he did for them. Proverbs 11.30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. By the way, the Bible don't cause us to go skin winning. It causes us to go soul winning. I know y'all don't have that problem like that in England. But in the United States of America, we got a big problem. See, sometimes we think there's only going to be one ethnic group in heaven. Can I say this to everybody in here? We are going to sit around for days and years and millenniums singing praises to God, and it says every tongue and people and nation will say worthy is the Lamb that was slain. 
to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I'm so sick of seeing this division. Sick of it. Can you imagine what God feels like about it? Let us witness. Number one, let us worship. And number two, let us witness. Well, how do you witness? Well, Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You know what it's time for us to do, Nathan? It's time for us to stop cursing the darkness, as the writer said, and start lighting our candles. It's time for us to start cursing the darkness and start lighting our candles. The Bible, listen, do you... I had a lady come up to me. She said, I work in this place, and I'm telling you, it is so wicked. It is so ungodly. At Tim, she said, I can't even hardly bear it anymore. It's the spiritual oppression when I walk in the door. And I said to her, I said, you know what? God ain't going to put a candle in a place that already has light. He's going to put a candle in a place that is as total darkness and in total darkness. And that's what you're there for. You know what? That lady in the last three years has led almost ten of her work members to Christ. Because you know what? She let her light so shine before men. That's all you got to do. So, number one, let us worship. Number two, let us witness. We've got to move on. I said I was going to be seven minutes. I've only gone by 32. Okay, anyway. <laughs> let us worship. Let us witness. By the way, I love fly fishing. I love it. Absolutely love fly fishing. You know what? I have spent a, I have spent a boatload of money on fly fishing equipment and on reels and on rigs and on uh, all type of uh, little uh, leaders and all these things that you... I've bought a plethora of stuff. Y'all like that word? Amen. I'm educated. Okay. A plethora. Amen. Look that up on Google this morning anyway. But it, I, I, this playing. But you know what? Spend all that money, go out fishing, not catch a thing. Do you know what I'll be doing the next day? Fishing. Ain't caught nothing. Sorry about the word ain't. It's just part of my vocabulary. Haven't caught anything. Not a thing. But go out the next day. You want to know why? It's because my daddy taught me something. Brian, they ain't always going to bite. But you got to keep going out. It doesn't matter if they're biting or not. You go fishing not to catch them. You go fishing because you love it. And I'll tell you right now, if you love fishing more than catching, the catching will take care of itself. You'll win more people on the bus than you ever will on visitation. You'll win more people in your workplace than you ever will in the bull ring because you love fishing, not just catching fish. Amen? You're welcome. So number one, let us worship. Number two, let us witness. Number three, let us work. Now, I know that's a bad four-letter word for some of y'all, but I want you to look at that. Look at, look at verse number 24. Let us consider one another to provoke. The word provoke means to stimulate. means to shake up. Provoke! I get so fed up having to provoke God's people about God's work. Why would I have to do that? Why would Pastor Larry have to shake us up and stir us up and beseech us and plead for God's people to just do what is supposed, supposed to be our reasonable service? Folks, listen, number one, let us worship. Number two, let us witness. But number three, let us work. Let us provoke one another unto love and to good works. To good works. I must move on. But we've got to worship. We've got to witness. And we've got to work. There's no way you could ever measure the potential of loss in a person that's quit halfway through life. 
I do not want to be one of those preachers that gets to the end of his life, Nathan, and sitting on a porch on a, in a rocking chair at 85 going, man, I wish I'd have done this, wish I'd have done that, wish I'd have done that. You know what? Some people think I'm crazy and nuts for coming over here. Well, y'all, they think I am. Y'all know I am, okay? <laughs> you shook your head a little bit too hard, Tenneco, on that one. She's like, yeah, I know it. But you know what? Here's the thing. I don't want to be one of them people that says, man, I wish I'd have done that years ago. You know, I wish I would have, I wish I'd have done that tent crusade in my little bitty town of Kelly, North Carolina. No, you know what we said? I don't care if only 10 people come. Bless God, we're going to have a tent crusade because that's what the Lord laid on my heart. 10 people just didn't come. We had about 25 saved that week. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's no way that you could ever measure. And you know why I think that we don't work like we used to? Now, I want all of you to listen to me. If you don't get anything, I want you to write this down. I believe the reason why we don't work like we used to in the body of Christ is because we have promised more but demanded less. Well, if you come to our church, we've got a program for your young people. We've got a coffee shop. We've got all these tape, all these tapes. We got all these CD and all this, all this other stuff. We got all these programs. We got this program. We got this and we got that. I'm going to tell you right now, all that's great, but it has nothing to do with the work of God. The work of God has to do with individuals. Who's going to do it? It'll be people. It ain't going to, listen, it ain't going to be a booth stall. It ain't going to be a book stall. It ain't going to be any of that. It's going to get done with people. So we got to work. We've promised more, but yet demanded less. My last point, I want you to look at this. Not only our promise and our position, but our, our program and our position, but number three, I want you to see our persistence. Look at verse number 25 and I'll end. The Scripture says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay? Our persistence. Well, number one, how we're, we're to have some, and I said this just Sunday night, well, to have some tenacity about us. You've got to be persistent. All right? I don't know if y'all have this product in the UK, but we've got it in America. It's called 409. The reason why it's called 409 is not because it's got some, some great, you know, uh, chemical, you know, bonding and all of that. It's because they tried 408 times to make a product that would work, and it all, listen, they finally got it right, 409th attempt, and it's called 409. It's been in existence for years. Great kitchen product. Because they didn't quit. They were persistent. You can't quit. you got to keep on going. You say, why? Well, number one, the reason we ought to be persistent is so, number one, we can labor for one another. Look at this in verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We ought to labor for one another. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Not only that, but we ought to lift up one another. The Scripture says right here, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. We ought to lift up each other, number one, in encouragement, but number two, in intercession. When's the last... Seriously. Now, don't answer this with a raised hand. But when's the last time you literally got up in the morning before you had to do anything else? Have your cup of tea? Have your teeth brushed? Whatever it was, when's the last time you got up and before you did anything else, before you even stood upright in a vertical position, as you got on your face before God and you prayed for somebody else. I know it's quiet because you're thinking. You know the greatest privilege you have as a child of God is intercessory prayer. 
to go before the throne of grace and bombard heaven, hell's gates for somebody else. Greatest privilege you have. I'm not saying we do it every morning, but I'm going to tell you right now, we try our level best, as me and my wife try before we even get up out of the bed, is to pray. I'll tell you right here, it, and I'm going to tell you all of you right here, it'll encourage not only your heart, but it'll help your marriage. You're welcome. Pray together. Intercede for one another. I'll never forget I was preaching, Nathan, in Sims, Alabama. Had a guy come up to me and he said, Preacher, after the service, man, I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. We had such spiritual oppression, Pastor. These, these four guys walked in and sat down about three-quarters of the way back. And I was like, it was 15 minutes into the service. And they sat down and I noticed they were de dressed differently. They all like, you know, white shirts, black tie, black pants. All of them riding bicycles. I will not go into who you, you, you probably already know what they were. But I'm just saying they sat down and the whole time through, Nathan and I was preaching, they were just snickering and laughing and mocking. I'm going to tell you right now, you know what I did? I took a beeline for Calvary. All I did was preach Jesus. I had a message already prepared, but I just preached Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. And I got done, and I'm telling you right now, there's a boy right now, Matt Schultz, he went to, he went to, he went to uh, uh, not Pensacola, the one in, uh, the one in uh, uh, Crown College. Went to Crown College. He was in that service, and he surrendered his life to Christ that day. I'm going to tell you, when I got done with that service, a guy come out of a room off the back, and he was doing this. And he came running up to me, and he said, Preacher, can I ask you what happened out here? I said, what do you mean what happened out here? He said, because, man, something was happening in there. I said, what happened in where? He said, me and four other guys were praying the whole time you was preaching. Now I know where the power came from. It wasn't me. It was because God's people was praying. And I told him what happened. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not trying to be charismatic or Pentecostal, but he took a lap around the church, son, just running. Hallelujah! Just running all the way around the church. That don't unnerve me. I like it, kind of. I do. I kind of like it. I mean, I just do. But listen, because we were lifting up one another, so let us labor for one another. Let's lift up one another. But lastly, let us look for His imminent return. Look at what it says. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, guys, as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there, you may be also. Ladies and gentlemen, let me explain something to you. He's coming back. And I can remember staying, and I'm done. You can close your Bibles. I remember staying with my grandmother in the summertime. And Antonio, my grandfather was a farmer. And, and he would come from the fields. And I remember his old dilapidated pickup. I mean, it was, it was terrible, Nathan. I mean, terrible. It was a wonder that thing just didn't fall apart every time he drove it out of the driveway. But you, you know what? My grandmother would, about 4 o'clock, she would begin to pull the curtains back and look for my grandfather to come around the corner from the field and looking for him to come back. And, man, she'd make everything right. I mean, the, the, she'd, have a, she'd have his chair all right, have his glass of iced tea. Amen. Iced tea. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hold on just a minute. Hallelujah. Thank you. I can't wait to get back and get some iced tea. Woo! Cold iced tea. Now I'm preaching. Anyway. 
Ice tea right beside of his chair, Steve. And I mean, she'd have his, uh, his little bench out, have the Afghan laying right there, and she'd look out the curtain. Man, it was about quarter to five, and he ain't come yet. About 5.15, you heard that old truck. Here it come. And boy, she was getting everything ready, and he'd come in the door, and man, she would put him down. She would massage his back. She would put that Afghan over him. She'd take his shoes off. You know what she was doing? She was looking for Granddaddy to come home. She was getting ready for him to come. She had prepared everything. Man, I wish we'd do that when it comes to our lives. We'd prepare ourselves for His coming. We'd pull the curtain back looking for Him. You know what John said, don't you? John said that Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. We ought to be pulling the curtain back. You know what, folks? There's some great benefits to being a believer in Christ, isn't it? Our position... Our program. You know we have the privilege of worshiping the one that made everything? Who, by the way, took nothing and made everything. That's why the songwriter wrote the words indescribable. Because it is. Amen? Listen. Let us worship. Let us witness. Let us work. But our persistence is this. Let's labor for one another. Let's lock arms. Let's realize that, listen, us and God are a majority. Amen? Us and God are a majority. I don't care who hates us. I don't care who's against us. The Scripture says if God be for us, who could be against us? So listen, let us labor for one another. Let's lift up one another and let's look for His imminent return. I work so hard for Jesus. I often boast and say I sacrificed a lot of things to walk the narrow way. I gave up fame and fortune I'm worth a lot to thee. But then I heard him gently say to me, I left my throne in glory and counted it but loss. They nailed my hands in anger upon the cruel cross. So now we'll take this journey with your hands safe in mine. Just lift your cross and follow close to me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. My question tonight is this. If you are a believer, do you realize the benefits that you have of being on this team? You have a position, and that position is that you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have access to the throne of grace. Your program is to worship, witness, and work. It didn't suggest it. He said, let us, imperative, let's do it. But our persistence, we ought to be tenacious when it comes to laboring for one another, for lifting up one another and looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, God spoke to me tonight, and I want to, listen, I want to, I want to be a part of the benefits of this team, but I just hadn't taken advantage of them. I've been sitting on the bench, and I need to get in the game. You'd say with an upraised hand, Preacher, pray for me. I just want to take advantage. God bless your heart. I want to take advantage of it. God bless you. God bless you. All right, well, let, let me ask you a quick God bless you, friend. When's the last time you really lifted up somebody that you've been burdened for? God bless you. Maybe you need to do that tonight. Maybe you need to do that tonight. Could we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed as Pastor comes? Miss Shelley's going to play an invitation hymn. But as he comes, I want you to sit here and literally think, listen, 
I wonder have I done my best for Jesus. We're going to sing that song, but I wonder if you could sing it from your heart.